Kia ora, te roa, no mai haramai, sweet chain live, call Matt Drake, takonawa. Uh, good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Matt Drake. You're through to episode 35 of Sweet Chain Live. Um, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Um, we've got a few things uh, to go through from previous episodes, as, uh, as, as, we, um, as we spoke about last week. Uh, also, um, we want to have a little bit of a conversation about something I said last week, which has now turned out to be something uh, a little bit a little bit silly, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that shortly. Uh, we've also got a ratings update and some upcoming events. Um, but also, welcome, Jack. Hey, good evening. Yeah, back again. How are you? Have had a good week? Uh, busy week, yeah. But yeah, busy good week. week, for sure. Fantastic, fantastic. Look, um, uh, alongside today, um, we, we mentioned in previous week's shows that we were going to um, talk about anything that you've left in the comments um, from previous shows. And we've been for a bit of a scour and found a, uh, found, found a few things that we want to talk about. But if there's anything that you want to ask, this is an Ask Me Anything episode. So pop your question in the comments down below, um, and then me and Jack will get to it um, a little bit later on in the show. So if you've got anything you want to know about Sweet Chain or Disc Golf or the podcast or behind the scenes or anything that we've talked about, pop it in the comments below and we'll try and get to it. Um, there isn't any subject that's too curly. Um, me and Jack will do our best to uh, um, negotiate uh, the, 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 the spikier ones. Okay, here we go. Um, so first up, we're going to go through some hot scores. So starting off down south um, at Invercargill and it's Ethan Stout who's been out and about at Queen's Park uh, in Invercargill with a 15 under par. Very well done, Ethan. Um, and at Chingford, uh, Tom McKay um, shoots a seven down hot round in Dunedin. Um, across to Queenstown Gardens, um, and it's Peter McKay who shoots 11 under par at the uh, on the gardens course there. And up at Ely Point, Cooper Solis, Dom Hayden and Cameron Mackey all share a two under par. Um, across to Lismore, um, and Cooper Solis uh, has been doing it again uh, with Ryan Cambridge joining him this time on 11 under par. Um, and when it and across to Christchurch, where of course the Charteris Bay Charge is being held this weekend, um, there's Jeremy Brockenshire on 12 under um, at Jelly Park at Queens Park Reserve. Louis Strideham and Willie Taratina shoot the hot round with six under. And at Brookerab, Louis Clark, new name for, T for Sweet Chain Live, uh, shoots six under par. So well done to Louis. Um, heading up to the North Island, Jack. To the bottom of the North Island over at Baron Poor in the capital. Uh, we have Brady Cush uh, scoring at a minus eight on the Sunday league round, which was uh, quite a blustery day. So that's a significant score. Um, over to Hikoikoi, uh, we've got Dion Rawiri on a negative two, minus two, which is a great score as well. Over to Harcourt and Upper Hutt, Andy Davey scoring at minus five. Uh, sorry, minus four, minus four. Um, just fantastic scores all around so far in the capital. This is fantastic. This is a great start. Uh, popping over to the west side in Inglewood in New Plymouth. Uh, Connor McKinstry shoots a minus five. Fantastic stuff. Massive course. That's a big day. Um, and then over to Spa Park in Topor, uh, Jacob Smith finishes on a two over. Fantastic stuff. Excellent. Excellent. So some good scores coming through there as people starting to get back into disc golf. Auckland, we're in. Yeah. Your, um, we've, uh, you know, you're in our thoughts. We we hope that you can. Uh, <laughs> we hope that you can get um, out of your lockdown uh, pretty soon. Get back 
to play. Um, quickly going to pop across to the Struggle Street Meltdown, which uh, re- started this last Saturday um, after a lockdown hiatus, um, something which didn't change over the, uh, over the, over the missing weeks, m- missing weeks, sorry, was Morgan Hartfeld leading the way, um, as he did last week with a 9.61 rated uh, seven under par, closely followed by Henny and Malcolm with uh, 9.48 six down. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that's uh, that's fantastic work uh, from Morgan. Um, always good to see the, uh, the the guys out in Struggle Street having a great time um, as well. Right, um, Jack, um, let's pop across. We had some missed comments um, from previous rounds uh, that um, that we'd like to that we'd like to redress. Let take us through some. Yeah, well, um, I I was waiting for a, a scour, like you said before, uh, just through the previous some some of the previous episodes to see if there's anything that might have been interesting to to bring up again. Just uh, didn't get a chance to talk about uh, last week specifically. I got a couple, have a couple. Uh, one from Mike Foley who asked, uh, "What's the science on catching COVID off a basket? Like, uh, how long does the virus live on steel in an outside environment?" And uh i responded saying that's a good question i'm going to have a look at that and get back to get, get back to it on in a, in a later episode now it's a later episode so um there's a study done basically uh it's just just you know i i get the question especially coming from an aucklander who's just you know a disc golfer who doesn't want to stop playing for sure mm-hmm. um yeah so uh from a study that was done um April last year, um, just pertaining to the lifespan of the virus on different surfaces, uh, ranging from cardboard to copper. Um, specifically for, yeah, they didn't do, they did stainless steel. So I'm not really sure what the differences are between stainless steel and, and galvanized steel, uh, which mm-hmm. is what we use for our golf baskets here. But uh, on stainless steel, uh, they found that the, 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 of uh, the virus was detectable up to 72 hours later so um up to three days really uh on on, alive staying alive on on the on the surface of the basket so relatively relatively dangerous on a three days is quite a long time for a bacteria Mm -hmm. to stick around and 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 you know to cause harm so um in terms of catching it off the basket i mean you know we uh the we know that it is it's spread through uh, the air, through droplets, through um, stuff like that. So, but even contact off of things, so um, it'll it'll transfer very easily. So, I think in terms of whether or not maybe kind of expanding on the question or extrapolating from the question whether or not uh, not playing disc golf is uh, will help not contract the virus. I think I think the answer is yes. Um, unfortunately, so it's just safer for everyone uh, during those kind of uh, extreme times of spreading that disc golf is just off off the charts or off the um, at, at, at agenda for <laughs> for playing. So, yeah, no, and I'd I'd, uh, I'd echo that. I think that the recommendation certainly we're we're giving here from from Sweet Chain is the um, is is level three and four. Don't do it. Stick to your stick to mm-hmm. your home basket and and, and field mm-hmm. work. Um, and uh, in level two, be careful. Um, you know, stay stay apart. Use your own discs, and um, and ju- and just just take care. Um, okay, what else you got? 
Um, well, it's, it's from last week as well. Uh, during our small discussion at the very end of the show about uh, disc golf clothing and how mm. horrendous it is, um, Aaron asked, oh, Aaron Go asked, uh, is there anything particularly unique about disc golf clothing? And I was having a think about this, and honestly, no, I don't think so. <laughs> from seeing what everyone wears, what the professionals wears, and what the professionals wear, and um, what's available to buy, it's you know standard stuff. You got your active wear, you've got your um, your cotton, your polyester. Like I don't think there's anything particularly unique about it, but it's just more of the design, I suppose. Just what are you going to put on the shirt? What what's going to make you look nice on the golf course? So it's interesting because I think there was a rule change very recently, um, which said that for a, for certain tiers, um, certainly majors and, and elite series, and maybe A tiers as well, that collars were um, mandatory as, oh. as part of the as part of the wear. Um, now, obviously, in your social rounds and your and your and your and your and your B and C tiers. Perhaps not, and I've I've got to check this. If anybody can help us out, and you know the rules, then uh, then drop it in the comments. I, I was under the impression that it, it, I think it was a rule that you had to wear a collared shirt for eight years and above, but the rule change came into effect, which allowed more kind of active wear. Well, I hate that phrase. Um, kind of uh, <laughs> shirts to to be to be okay and 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 to be used. So right, um, right, yeah. that that would be the only comment I'd I'd have on on that one. But, yeah, yeah it's so I check. suppose I suppose that would fall under uh, the competition manual rather than disc golf rules. Yeah, likely, likely it'd be the competition manual. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I know there was a there was a, um, a brace saying that yeah, maybe that um, AT has been collared for a while. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, that's 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 in line with what I what I what I expected as well. Um, yeah, I just I just trying to think if that's. A lot of the pros I've seen I do have the college shirts. So, yeah, even if the, the pattern's a bit outrageous. Um, yeah. You know. All players must wear a shirt covering their upper chest area. A well-tailored shirt with a collar and sleeves covering the upper arm shall be considered acceptable. Tank there tops are. are not allowed for any competitor, but women may wear sleeveless shirts with collars. There we go. Right. Um, on, the, on the website, Katrina Allen is uh, seen there wearing a, a sleeveless shirt with a collar. There we go um so yeah okay there we are aaron so hopefully we've cleared that up to some degree um <laughs> excellent uh what else we got yeah well then uh, a few weeks ago uh, i think you and andy were having a conversation about uh rules and the um application of rules or the administering of rules and um mm. And just whether or not it should be it for you know future games and going forward, whether or not it should be left up to the consensus of the card to uh, decide what's right and you know what gets a foul, what's what gets a, a stroke and and what gets a penalty. And yeah, um, I can't exactly remember what Andy's stance on it was, um, but I know that your stance was that coming from Ultimate was your example um you know there's a very big belief in the spirit of the game and the spirit of play uh yeah. where uh, and and just keeping it as a self-officiated sport mm -hmm. which you know it, it works on smaller levels you know for for regional competitions and local stuff it, it's it's not a big deal not having umpires and ushers and marshals on the on the course and on the fields helping and but i think when you're getting to these big competitions and 
um, where you know you've got literally thousands of people playing, not at the same course, of course, but um, over the same weekend, and thousands of uh, spectators coming along and watching. In terms of just keeping the flow of play, I honestly think that uh, at pointing marshals to follow cards around and be on or to be on holes uh, to follow cards around is going to be the way to go for the future of of disc golf. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm coming to at this from the perspective of ultimate as well. I I firmly believe in in self officiating, but when it comes to a world stage and yep. live events and world games and uh, specifically the world games uh, and and also um the olympics it's just it just doesn't work without having marshals or umpires on on the field dictating Hmm. sport so this is sorry do you sorry to interrupt Do, do you see them as a as as a making a decision role or a aiding in the making of a decision role um I see them as making the decision. I see them as making the, the decision. Um, so uh, when when something crops up, like, um, sorry, well, sorry, making the decision, but not not calling the foul or calling the the the, the incident. So that's up to the card mate still, I think, right. to to call that incident. But then um, the actual ruling will be down to the to the marshal to the official. That's because it, it just it just removes that. Um, possibility of the card mates not knowing because all it takes is um, the majority of your card to make the wrong decision and then you're either penalized or you're not penalized when you should have been or shouldn't have been so i think it's i think it's an interesting one because the the i think self-efficient is great and actually is it works better than um better than when there's uh officials making the call when it's things like foot faults and when it's things like courtesy violations um because i i i think and and you know for if if a marshal or a tournament staff call it whatever you like somebody acting in an official capacity was to for example call a courtesy violation um during and it doesn't matter what really what matter what round it is or where they where it where it's seen whether it's some c tier that's played at the back end of nowhere that half dozen people go to or whether it's at worlds i don't i don't I don't really care. I think that that can that could possibly could be quite contentious, and and where the advantages of having a a self officiated um, aspect of the game come come in. Um, as for calling things like out of bounds and and that kind of thing, um, I see them as a and a making and a, a, a advising. I, I see the point in having spotters and etc. But um, to kind of go, well, that's where the disc went out of bounds. And, and just like Ultimate, you know, if you were unsure on whether you landed in or not, for example, you might ask a sideline person to say, look, where do you think it landed? And that's a perfectly legitimate thing to do before the players then make the make the decision. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, interesting one. I'm, I'm not sure we'll see we'll see any. Uh, yeah. change from the norm right now but no no i don't think so either um honestly because it's kind of working but from just another thing from ultimate is you know they i think and this is because of uh, them being recognized by the international olympic committee and wanting to push forward in the sport and making it a, a live sport that can be recognized worldwide they've mm. they in, in some or under WIFTF rules and WIFTF competitions, they've uh, established advisors, um, mm-hmm. or sorry, observers, observers, 
um, who can be there as a second or, you know, a, 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 an unbiased set of eyes on the yeah. situation at hand. Um, and then they can offer their opinion, but it's still up to the people on the field to make the call. And then in games like uh, the American Ultimate Disc League and the, uh, the Major League Ultimate in the US, you've got um, advisors who are marshals and hmm. who are um, people that make the calls. Um, yeah. Call in and out uh, and call fouls and call yeah, back. Yeah, and points, kind of, yeah. everything. Yeah, fouls, everything. So, um, and watching those sports specifically that have those, there's those uh, ushers and, and, and marshals and, and such. Hmm. Um, the game still flows. The game still flows. It still works as intended. Um, but I think just in terms of having it on a world stage, it's just it's it looks it looks more official. You know, you don't get many sports, i.e., football, um, uh, ball golf, or just golf uh, that you know that don't have referees calling the game and calling the shots. Yep. And I yep. think there's a reason for that. Um, and it's just for the professional look of it, but also just to to. Uh, expand the game and make sure that everyone's playing to the same rules. Mm. Yeah, no, it's it's something that I've um, I can I can make an argument pretty convincingly for both sides on this. <laughs> so uh, it's it's something mm. that I'm, it, I would kind of agree with a lot of people on, and, and one that it'll, I, I'm interested to see how it progresses and, and what what comes out of it. Um, right. Next up, do we want to go to? Uh, I, I I made a comment last week. Um, and the comment I made was around when we were talking about um, uh, sh uh, collector discs and do you collect discs or do you um, do you not? Are you one of these? And you you told us that um, you were uh, you you prefer to just you've got your bag, you've got a few backups, and you, maybe you've got a few that you used to throw recently, but you, but you know you haven't moved on yet. But other than that, that's pretty much it. You've got a uh, one disc, a commemorative disc from when you won a tournament a few years ago, and that that's it, pretty much. Is yeah. it, that, that that's pretty much. And I, I'm I'm the opposite. Um, I went a different way, and we were talk talking, and I made a comment that the New Zealand uh, second-hand market wasn't as mature as the US market, for example. Now I stand by that comment. However, um, I will say that in the last week alone. We have seen at least, I would say, three or four um, posts of discs going for perhaps more than we've seen in the past. Um, I'd, certainly, there was a, uh, a Cloudbreaker that went for 185, I think, a Skyrider that I think went for upwards of $100. So, Jack, what's going on? <laughs> I honestly don't know. Is it, surely it's coincidence that the week, like you know, the week during after we talk about this, the the secondhand market in New Zealand just kind of blows up. Um, people, uh, I don't know. It's just the the market's right. People are looking. Uh, one name in particular. Um, uh, yeah, I can't think of the name of right now. Uh, Fraser Fraser Harvey mm. making just a big collection of Dismania discs and he's on the hunt. He is absolutely on the hunt and the guy is committed. And, you know, when, when you see dedication like that, you kind of got to give it credit. So fair enough, <laughs> as much as it's against what I believe is the correct way of <laughs> playing the sport. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, fair enough, but 
yeah, with, with you, when you got people like that that are just really adamant and and really need or want a specific thing from the sport, it's going to make you know the market's going to grow. The market's uh, going to grow. And you know, I think it's fantastic to see that the uh, that there's that there's people out there with that with that level of passion. So you know, hat, yeah. hats off. Um, uh, we've had a um, we've had a few comments on this. Um, Bray's offering me two forty for a cloud break. So uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we shall see. Um, uh, Levi, <laughs> I'll give you ten bucks and a form critique. And I'm not sure whether for, Levi's form critique is, is going to be worth about. 200 bucks it probably is actually and we'll get to why in a minute actually when we go through the ratings update um as we'll <laughs> as we'll see um so uh let's have a look at some of the comments we've had a few questions come through already um mm -hmm. on the ask me anything we're going to continue this the whole show so if you ask me anything jack ryan asks left or right uh <laughs> <laughs> that's the responses i, I, I think impressed. it might have been yeah um yeah i'm going right by the way um <laughs> Uh, but uh, Bray's asked, Man Jack, what has been a couple of your best experiences in the New Zealand disc golf scene? Yeah. Well, do you have any in mind? Um, I've got a couple. Do you want to go first? Well, <laughs> I think that the first and foremost, well, best experiences. I mean, this is open <clears throat> to interpretation, but uh, one of the best things I've done uh, was the final hole, final round of Middle Earth Open. Um, just well. absolutely sending my uh, page PS five times nuke down to just outside circle, or probably in circle two, just outside mm -hmm. circle two, maybe for an eagle look. Um, that was exhilarating. Just watching that fly and seeing seeing yeah. that in the replay as well, you know, on on the footage, that was quite a proud moment for me. <laughs> um, that was a great moment. I was in the gallery and I, I was fortunate enough to commentate on that on that um, <laughs> on that round as well. So uh, if you missed it, go to the Flexline media page and watch the second round of, uh, of, of the uh, the final round. Sorry, of the uh, yeah. Middle Earth Open coverage. Yeah, yeah. Of um, for me, yeah. for me, there's been a couple. Um, so I. One of my favorite experiences was going to play North Island Champs last year. Mm. Um, yeah. A really, really good weekend that, you know, the result was, was the result. I finished mid table in the advanced division is, you know, nothing, no one's going to remember that, but it was, um, it was more that it was kind of my first kind of big tournament away. Um, yeah. And it was, uh, I learned heaps from it. Um, and I think I came away a far better disc golfer as a result. And of course there were, there were heaps, heaps of people there and, um, I got to meet loads of people that um, I might not otherwise have met if I'd not got a chance to go. So that was that's one of my that's one of my favourites. Um, mm -hmm. I'll I'll add another one in, which was the start of and the continuation of the uh, Wellington Ladies League that we kicked off last year in October. Yes. That was that was great because the the scene in Wellington now for ladies is 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 a is a lot bigger than it was. And I, I, I hope that the Ladies League had an influence in, in that. And certainly when we held the Women's Global event here um, in um, May, that was the largest attended women's event in New Zealand history for a sanctioned yeah. event. So that, I wow. mean, I, th those those things were, were great. And I, I think, um, you know, people talk about growth of the game. That's one of the areas that I, I see is, uh, um, I see as being... Yeah. being 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 a key part a key part yeah. so 
Any other any other ones jump to mind? Um, no, not another one specifically, but just uh, my disc golf ex like competition experience in general has mm -hmm. been immaculate. Honestly, I like so starting off in, in ultimate and coming from ultimate to disc golf, I was um, able to make so many comparisons and similar and find so many similarities between the people that play both sports. It's ridiculous. Yeah. They're just they're they're almost the same people, <laughs> the type of people that play ultimate, and the type of and, and competitions in ultimate, and the type of people that play competitions in disc golf. They're just um, all beautiful people. Honestly, mm -hmm. um, I just can't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't say enough on how uh, happy and just dedicated to the sport and growing the sport and to, and um, making sure everyone is having a good time. It's very special. No, I, I, it's very I completely special. agree. I completely agree. You know, the, everybody who turns up to the social rounds, to the tournaments I've played in, has been great. I've been in the, in the sport for a relatively short amount of time, so it's uh, you know that's that's been fantastic. I'd agree, completely mm -hmm. agree with that. Um, looking down the comments, Bray asks, "Can you frontline in Desert Island Disc Golf yourself?" Uh, yes, yes, we will. I will get to that one day. Maybe <laughs> on a maybe on a uh, milestone episode, we'll do that um and yeah so um moving on um we'll get to the ratings update which uh, came out on tuesday just gone um now in terms of the ratings update there was uh, there's been a bit of movement within the um within the men's uh within the mpo side uh, we'll go through those in a second um and then i wanted to talk about very quickly the udisc uh, world rankings which um, we'll have a quick chat about and if anyone's got some views on this that it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on mm -hmm. this as well um so uh in the mpo side jackson sullivan stays top in new zealand with a 990 rating that's unchanged um in second place moving up four five places five places to uh second with an 11 point um rating increases levi stout to 985 so that 10 bucks plus uh, some form critique could well be a bargain um if uh, if anybody won was was that um and as in third place simon feezy stays uh, uh, stays the same on 980 uh, ethan stout sees a uh, slight ratings drop of four points to 980 uh, Connor McKinstry uh, jumped seven points to 9.78 to, to take fifth. Um, Andy Davey stays on 9.75. David Keane drops one point to 9.73. Mikey Hughes up two at 9.72. Uh, Mark Dakif stays still on 9.70. And a new face in the top 10 is Ryan Cambridge jumping five points to 9.66. Um, so a little bit of movement there um, with lots of tournaments coming up and the start of the kind of season, summer season, if you like. Um, we shall we shall see how we get on um and see what movements we see there over in the fpo side um one real only one movement uh, this this time and it was very very small but i'll run through the top 10 anyway um hayley flintoff went up one point to 891 extends her lead over liana christina by six points who's on 885 Gemma sullivan 876 bonnie o'neill 873 charlotte dunkley 861 eilish kumak 846 michelle simpson 845 liz mocker 843 and then melody ripley and Alina fueler on 836 um now i don't know if you've had a look at the uh the um world the disc the udisc world rankings very quick um, look <laughs> yeah so 
it's I, I don't know if anyone in the comments has read this, but I've done a little bit of digging and research on this. This is something that la was launched by UDISC um, about a month or so ago, I want to say, maybe six weeks. And it attempts to provide a live and post-competition, so it gets updated at the end of every event, um, world rankings. Now, you might ask, well, how is that different to a rating? Um, and the difference that it is from a rating is that, as far as I can see, and, I'm, and this, this summary might not be quite correct, but, um, but I, uh, you'll, you'll have to bear with me. The PDGA rating is a number rating that is where you compare yourself uh, to a scratch or 1,000 rated um, fictitious player. So essentially, you're playing the course on a particular day in particular conditions, and your and your rating is based on a, compared to that. Um, the UDIS World Rankings works slightly differently, as in it compares how you performed against other people. It doesn't care about the score. You could beat them by twenty strokes. You could beat them by one stroke. The fact that you finished above them, it's is going to change your um your your rating and therefore then your ranking. Now, the rating system works in a similar way to how chess players are rated. So the chess players, um, and apologies if you switch off at this point, because I'm going on a nerd <laughs> alert. And, and understand. Um, chess is rated on an ELO system um, by a, uh, a chap whose name was um, Mr. ELO. Um, and uh, he, he developed the system where everybody gets a rank and you start off at 1500 and then you play people. And if you play somebody of a higher rating than you and you beat them, then your rating will go up more than if you play a player who have a lower rating than you and you beat them. The principle is that every time you win, your rating goes up, even if it's by only one point because you would beat someone who's rubbish or you goes up by a thousand points because you beat someone who's really good. Um, the same kind of idea is happening in, in disc golf, in the UDIS World Rankings. So the UDIS World, World, World Rankings are based on a rating which predicts how someone will finish in the following um, event. And it then says, well, where did that person finish in comparison to that event and give them the amount of points that they deserve based on the differential? OK, mm. so if you uh, go into the event with the highest rating of everybody who's competing, then you should win. And if you don't win, your rating will will um, will increase still because you won. Um, but it won't increase by a lot because you were supposed to win. Right. Compare it to somebody who was supposed to finish uh, tenth, for example, and they win, their rating is going to go up by a lot. Mm. Um, and so it really it compares where where you do finish against where you should finish. Now the UDISC um, world rankings uh, predict uh, with an accuracy of predict the winner of each tournament with an accuracy of about on the MPO side it's about 35 40 percent I think and on the FPO side it's about 55 60 percent. They predict um, top 50, top half, sorry, um, to a accuracy level of about 70%. And um, it's a similar for the top 10%. So yeah, so um, anyway, um, the reason I say this is because um, in a few weeks time, we're going to have a, uh, a feature on the show. Um, what are the what the, the data analytics team here at Sweet Chain Music um, have been telling me that they've been working through um, applying the UDISC algorithm, the UDISC uh, world rankings algorithm to New Zealand tournaments and to New Zealand people, right? So um, you, we, we should be able to get a um, world rankings, well, 
New Zealand rankings, using the UDISC algorithm, tweaked slightly in the, in, in the ways that UDISC have, have, have advised that they've gone about their tweaking to match the, the New Zealand market. And then that will give us a, it will give you an idea that going into tournaments, who you think is going to win? Um, and it's, it acts as a bit of a predictor. Um, and it's a, a but it, what it does is over a rating, uh, a PDGA rating, it gives you a predicted outcome of the tournament that's a quantitative one. So it will say there's a 23% chance that Jack's going to win this tournament, right? Hmm. So, <laughs> and Morgan's asked, what does it say is going to, what does it say is going to win this tournament? Well, actually, it's interesting because I asked my data analytics team for a bit of a preview of what, what results are going to be spat out for this weekend. Now, there's still, they tell me that there's still some tweaking to be done. There's still some fine tuning to, to, to happen on the model, but they've got a, um, they've got an idea of, of, of what might happen this weekend at the Charteris Charge. So, um, but before we do that, Jack, what are your picks for the charge this weekend? For the charge, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it's it's honestly, it's quite a big field. And in, especially in the, in the, in the men's open, mm-hmm. as, oh, there's, it's, a tough, it's a tough pick. Um, on my top five, and I'm, I don't want to say this is in any particular order, any particular order, just because I honestly, this could go any way. I wish I had something that could help me predict you know who's going to be on top but anyway um in my top five i have chosen uh willie tadatana because i know because it's a big course it's a big open course mm-hmm. and i know the guy can throw a mile uh yeah. mitch hudson mitch hudson and zach taylor for the same reason they all and mm-hmm. all three of those guys work hard they work yeah. hard from the sport and then uh i've put uh johnny ferrari in there because i know that he plays mm-hmm. like a monster as well absolutely yeah. fantastic game and I could not decide between um, several people for my fifth pick. So I've just went for the highest rated player, Joseph Berry. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And and again, not a, not a necessarily a bad way to do it. Um, and, yeah. you know, PDJ yeah. ratings are affected in part by the number of tournaments. So yeah. if you have an absolute storm, and we saw this a few, uh, few weeks or a few months ago, Marvin Tetzel in Germany played one tournament I think he was, had a tournament average of 1050 rated and was like, for a brief period of time, like the fifth highest rated player in the world. Wow. Is, he the, is he the fifth best player in the world? Some would argue not. Um, <laughs> and after the first round of the European Open, actually, he shot like a 1050 round and everybody goes, well, perhaps it is legit. Followed that up with a few 980 rated rounds. And so that, that dropped. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, on, the, on, the, on the FPO side, or just the, the female side, um, I'm I've gone with uh, Eilish Kumak uh, because um, I've seen her play and she's incredible. Um, mm-hmm. Just when she gets it right, it, oh my gosh, it's so, it's, it's the, the, the disc flights that she produces are amazing. Um, and then uh, my second pick would be Stephanie Stratum. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I'm going to go, uh, I'll start with the ladies. Uh, I've gone for the same picks as you. Um, I think um, Eilish, uh, I think we'll take it out this weekend. Um, I've seen a play as well. She came up to Wellington for the women's global event and um, and played very well in the second round there. Um, and yeah, I, I, has got has got distance, has got distance. Um, and I think, um, you know, when the, the charge looks like it could be, could be exposed, it could be a bit of wind about the weather this weekend is looking... Um, I don't know what's like in Christchurch in Wellington. There's certainly going to be a bit of wind and a bit of rain about. So um, 
I think that um, her play suits that style of um, weather perhaps more. Um, now, looking at the uh, men's side, um, these this is what the data analytics team have given me as being the top five. Now, this is based on a uh, on a raw algorithm. Okay, it doesn't take into account <laughs> some of the. Uh, it needs a bit of tweaking, as they as they said, um, and it's and it's based on an algorithm of of, of rankings. So, um, in fifth place, Isaac Howard um is uh is is in fifth place uh young wow. young chap from uh, from christchurch um has been playing really well um that, that i've been seeing recently and uh um, he's he's yeah a very very good up and coming and and he's so dedicated to, to practice and, and and getting out there so um it was so yeah fifth place for, for isaac Howard. uh fourth place is a fellow um christchurch shonian I don't know. Willie Trattner um, is is in fourth place. Um, Willie uh, plays very well. Um, often in, in in Christchurch, took out the Peter Crowfer um, crown for the Christchurch Bay players um, earlier on this year. Third place, Johnny Ferrari. Um, it, again, as you've identified, uh, came up has got a very good game coming up from Invercargill. Uh, second place, maybe a little bit of a surprise for some, uh, is Jimmy Tutufu. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be interesting. Um, placed very well at Nationals, um, mm -hmm. and that's perhaps um, affected his his ranking, and therefore his, his, his position there. Interesting. Um, and in first place, Stephen Reid. Um, has uh, the is is I think the the pick to win it um, has had six um, uh, had a look six top top ten finishes and obviously won in um, uh, Timaru uh, earlier on this mm -hmm. uh, this year as well so uh, that's the top five uh, for me Stephen Reed taking out the title this um, weekend so we'll see how that goes and how well the algorithm does um, on a on a, it, at the moment, it's predicting winners about fifty percent of the time, and it's predicting um, top ten percent finishes about sixty-seven uh, percent of the time. So we'll see. We'll see. It might need to might need a bit of tweaking still to try and raise raise both of those, but we'll see how we get on. Fair enough. Um, finally, um, we're going to get on to um, the um, we're going to get on to upcoming events. So unless we've had any more questions, let's um, let's have a look. Um, uh, how often does the ratings update? You in the PDGA ratings update on the second Tuesday of every month, and take into account any events which have finished um, or had their um, uh, tournament reports submitted prior to the Sunday before the Tuesday, and that's American time. So you've got to kind of adjust that for, for New Zealand. So. I saw that um, Jack Mooker commented or asked, how about a Wellington Disc Golf versus Ultimate match or vice versa, you know, uh, which I think could be a bit of fun. And it could be definitely possible um, considering how many Ultimate players are dabbling in Disc Golf these days. Yeah, um, we, we should, I'll, I'll put a note out. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have a chat with a few people. You've got some contacts as well. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's funny. I, I think the strongest ultimate player is not necessarily the strongest disc golfers, and certainly vice versa. So um, mm -hmm. we'll, uh, we'll 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 see we'll see what happens there. Um, let's have a look to see if we've had any more. Um, you and asked with marshals and umpires and ultimate be more to do with the pace and number of players on the pitch and need to reduce delays from waiting on group calls. 
I don't honestly I don't think so. Um from my experience in ultimate games with no marshals uh with no uh observers it's do you still have time limits on the amount of time you can have discussing the call with the people that were involved yeah. um yeah. and the uh the the spirit of the game is to try and resolve these calls as quickly as possible so yeah. i don't think it's about i don't think it's about pace yeah yeah and certainly at the at the higher end at world championships etc i think it's 45 seconds you've got to to um discuss and if you don't get on with it there are observers there who will blow whistles and say get on with it um or <laughs> tell you to, um yeah and or you get a you, you get a penalty for not make reaching a decision in time so uh yeah yes yes and no i can see the uh, i can see the, that that there thank you mm -hmm. Ewan um let's have a look i don't think there are any more questions so um we'll get on to um the uh upcoming events let's have a look um so upcoming events this um month uh we've got charters bay charge which is this sunday uh before that on saturday we've got hardcore heiser so uh, make sure you get along to uh to hardcore park if you're in wellington this weekend on the saturday um and then next week um there's heat going on um, we've got Te Upico, the Wellington Club Day on the Saturday, Trilogy Challenge down in Christchurch, um, and also the uh, Armageddon Disc Golf Festival in Nelson, So, uh, <laughs> which is a New Zealand Disc Golf Tour event, 50-point tour event, if you can get down there as well. And then also Deep South Doubles, uh, which is also the same weekend, um, presumably in Invercargill, um, down there. So good stuff. There's also the opening week of the Barrenpore 200 as well, the 10-week um, league for um, Barrenpore Hills Sanctioned League on Sunday afternoon. A uh, week after that, Christchurch Fling and uh, Hosker, hosted by uh, Sweet Chain Music, are down in uh, Hikoikoi on the Saturday. Um, two weeks after that is Moonbase in Twizel. Uh, then North Island Champs, still a bit of a question mark, pending alert levels on that one. Fingers crossed um, it goes ahead. Really looking forward to going up to that. If we can, uh, if, if alert levels um, uh, allow, uh, and us, and the the Wednesday after is the first Wednesday of the Wellington Midweek Spring League, which is an eight week um, midweek league on a Wednesday up at Harcourt Park. Half past six uh, is when it starts um, on the third of November for eight weeks. Uh, the last one is the Wednesday just before Christmas. Um, Following that in um, early November is the Todonga Extreme, which is the same weekend as uh, uh, November's Hosker. And then there's the Bros for Change Charity Classic on the 13th and 14th of November in Christchurch. Week after that is Faultline Fury. Week after that is Wahitapu. And the week after that is Match Play in Inglewood. So uh, it's all go as we get yes. into springtime. Um, yeah. I'm certainly looking forward to many of those events. Jack, I know you're looking forward to many of those events. Mm. Um yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've heard rumours recently that the Christchurch Fling is getting uh, another course. I, so, I think so. Yeah, I've, I heard Peter. this as well. And uh, if you can find Flexline Media's Instagram story, then you might grab a, a quick. Um, I think it's a quick preview. Um, they did a quick screen flash, a uh, little teaser for us um, on on a, on, a, on a course map. So um, yeah, take a look at that and see if you can work it out um, for yourself. Mm hmm. Um, that's uh, all I've all we've got for you today. Um, next week uh, we'll be bringing you the results of the Charteris Bay Charge, um, and I'll have a new guest co-host. 
Um, but all that uh, remains for me to say uh, this week is, Jack, thank you so much for joining us this week um, and for the last uh, three weeks. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you, uh, you co-host. Um, and um, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll definitely have you on again um, very soon. Yeah, no, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been fantastic to to talk some uh to talk some disc golf. It's you know one of the biggest subjects in my life, apart from my son. Um so uh, yeah, it's just been really enjoyable, really enjoyable to 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 um to talk about it and to uh, interact with all the fans and and the chat. So, thank you. Lovely. Okay. Um, have a um, great weekend. Anybody playing disc golf, very best of luck to everybody playing in the Charteris Bay Charge, but especially the Wellingtonians. Um, I know that Mitch Hudson's going down, Shannon Garton's going down, and that's a few others, I think, um, from Wellington, um, who are going... My apologies if I've not mentioned your name. Certainly Mitch and Shannon are, are, are going... Um, I don't know if there's anyone else. Doesn't look like it. Um, anyway, very best of luck to those two. Um, have a lovely weekend and a lovely week, everybody. See you next time.